Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of Tomorrow by Design. We are excited to have you with us as we continue the conversations and banter around design in the built environment. And we also hope that you follow through with the New Year's resolutions up to the end. Much success with the plans and ambitions that you have for this year and moving forward. And with that, let's begin. Again, when we think of the built environment, we often think of the physical structures and spaces that we interact with. What often goes under the radar are the experiences that are felt by the different people interacting with these buildings and spaces. Well, in this episode, we look at how we can create spaces for everyone and often the undernoticed neurodivergent people and how that in itself, by creating these spaces, is inclusive design. Let's get into it. Hi everyone, welcome back to Tomorrow by Design. So we will be <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's already you know on Twitter it said uh, happy one anniversary. What's oh that? yeah, 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 yeah. Anniversary. Imagine happy one year. Yes. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. English left. Crazy, right? I know. I know. I know. It's been a year name Peter. It's been a wild one. I know, and, and this all just started so randomly mm. after a three hour conversation about the state of oh, affairs. Yes, yes. state of affairs, state of urban affairs. <laughs> anyway. Um... <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, in case this is your first time, welcome. My name is Leanne Munyori, and next to me we have Louis Karioki. And next to him we have Sydney Zhao. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> Yay. Yes. And so we'll dive right in. Today, um, we want to set up the year, the 2024. And um, I know we talk about inclusivity and it's one of those buzzwords similar to sustainability, mm-hmm. you know, all, all those <laughs> nice words that we use when we want to sound thumbed. <laughs> but um <laughs> yes, today we have a fantastic guest. And we'll let him introduce himself. Well, I'll just introduce his name and then he can get into the details of what he does. So Samuel Njoroge Du. Sorry, I've called. It's like this is a, 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 a public office. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm not. Yes. But yeah, Sam, go ahead. So thank you so much, guys, for this opportunity, first of all. Uh, what an introduction. <laughs> huh, and, and thank you for agreeing to be part of this uh, discussion. I'm humbled. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm really excited about this. As Rian has said, my name is Samuel Njorogedu. I prefer to call myself Sanjod. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to call you Sanjod too. <laughs> where does the name come from? <laughs> and so where does it end? Like, like, cheesy, like Sanjod. That sounds... Uh, Kind of German. <laughs> <laughs> the name comes from basically my name, Samuel. Yeah. Joroge, then Duoti. Then I added a Z there. For the yeah, for swagger. Man, good design choice right there. That's the fun, the first of many good design choices. <laughs> exactly, exactly. In the answer, Najina, we already see. Ah, enough said. Don't even trust your CV. Ah, we already know. It was a job interview. Anyway, I'm a graduate architect. My my final year project. So it is. It was composed of two. There's the research part, and then there's 
the design project. So mm-hmm. my research mm-hmm. thesis was on multisensory experience design in museums. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the design project was now an implementation of the lessons from the theoretical research. So I did a, a museum of senses, which I dubbed Senseum. So yeah. you may be wondering why a museum. I think yeah. for me, a museum is a, is an experiential place. Mm-hmm. It's a place where people go for, it could be a learning experience for, for kids. It can be, but the most important thing at the bottom line is it is an experiential place. And every museum seeks to, to impact a memorable experience in its visitors. So yeah. what are the strategies that the that museums locally are using to make museums more give mem- more memorable experiences? And a mm-hmm. memorable experience, I think from is an experience that is no that encompasses all the senses. Mm-hmm. If you have mm-hmm. a, a, an experience that is visual, it's auditory, it's yeah. Involves touch. Mm-hmm. They are it, it it called involves smells. Mm-hmm. I think if you get if you get an experience that encompasses all that holistically, I think for me that's a memorable experience. So yes. and one of the I want to uh, one of the the main <laughs> problems in our museums. Me, Goja, for us to ask you the problems. Because I, yes, I yes, let, actually... me wait, let me wait. Let me wait for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a few questions. So, um, with the now the design project that you were doing, we okay. At least for me, I know most of the museums are usually uh they appeal to the visual sense, so what you can see. Yeah. yeah, and you know, in most cases, it's almost like going into a store and it's like if you touch and it breaks, consider it sold. And I'm like, okay, so do, if I, mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to touch, but the yes. visual texture of this thing is kind of just drawing my hand to touch it. Mm-hmm. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. How how did? Why you... is it a crime? Yeah. Why is it a crime? <laughs> I'm just out here trying to live my best sensorial life, right? Yeah. Exactly. Actually, mm-hmm. actually, the fact that they need an instruction to stop you from from touching, mm. I think for me it speaks volumes in the inherent nature in us as human beings to want to to touch, to, to caress. Mm. We are curious. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. And why fight against your nature? Mm. So, right. Yeah. And and so now yeah. I'm making spaces. Sorry? Go that ahead. help. Well, museums have many reasons why they prevent people from touching. So like because of oils. Mm-hmm. When people touch because of oil, so it could lead to deterioration of the the artifact. So there are reasons, but there are there are things that they can do to give people. They can have replicas, and then people can touch that, and then they can preserve the the main thing. The original. Yeah, yeah, the original. Okay, so well, when when you got into your project, how how did you uh, make a museum space more like? explore other senses mm-hmm. what was the detail ah, what were the details ah that's an interesting question because that that was was the the body of the of my thesis so how do we make them more sensorial mm. places to go so i think number one is to look at the number one thing i did is to look at the i focused on the majorly the five senses mm-hmm. there are other senses that like pain temperature but i focused on the the main five ones vision Hearing, smell, taste, and and touch. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of vision, what our perception of vision, what what stimulates it? It's color, 
its patterns, its light. Yeah. Mm. So mm. if you have a space, if you have a space and you want to say you have a main artifact and then you want to you want the the space as an architect, what the, what was limiting in my thesis was because I was focusing focusing on the I was not focusing on the artifact, I was focusing on the space. Mm-hmm. So in terms of lighting, do yeah. I use natural lighting or do I use artificial lighting? Sometimes mm. you need both because you need to make it like now. You need to, pre- to preserve the, the artifacts. You don't need a lot of natural light. So you focus more on the ah. artificial oh, yeah, lighting. Because ah. natural light comes with a lot of heat. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But now my, my, my thesis was more interested on, because we, are, we have designed so much for vision and for, for vision, mm-hmm. what about hearing? So in terms of hearing, I was looking at some things like having water features, maybe like at the entrance mm-hmm. lobbies. You can mm-hmm. have a water feature, a waterfall, mm-hmm. yeah, an artificial one. And then yeah. now when you get into the space and you're designing for sound, mm-hmm. it goes deeper than that because you're looking at the materials. Do you want do you want this place to have no echo? So you use sound. materials that are absorbing sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or do you want the echoes like when kids, school kids will come, they'll make a lot of noise. Do you want that to be accentuated? Mm. and it's part of the experience like the way you are deep in the forest and you you make a sound and you hear it on the other side you want such an experience mm-hmm. in this in a gallery yeah. in space in terms of of touch also looking at the materials do you want plastered walls that are soft or do you want some texture so in terms of material do you want brick that is that is left in its authentic nature brick mm-hmm. that's not plastered it's a natural state uh-huh. yeah it's, it's in its natural state and then in terms of state, I think I found brick interesting because mm. the same thing when it rains, there's that smell that the uh-huh. nature, yeah. soil, mm. that smell that it emits. I love that so, smell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Yes. Yeah, we that in the finishes. Do you know what um what your what word you give um to the smell of rain on, on dry soil? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, he's Petricore. Petricore. What of the day? Yeah, you can use that for your next few days. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. Had it here first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are appealing to modern site. Mm-hmm. In case you've modern read site, it, exactly. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think to, to just finish up, those were some of the things I looked at, even in terms of paint. Which type of paint do you want to use? Do mm-hmm. you want to use a paint that emits a smell mm-hmm. such okay. that once you get into that space, that space, your the, the smell that that paint is emitting to leave to leaves an leaves an impression on you. And yeah. these smells are very can be very nostalgic because once you you smell a certain scent, yeah, and then later in the years you that smell it is very memorable in your mind that it will emit those memories. Yes, yeah. So yeah. It almost in transports museum, back to that exactly first time you exactly. smelled. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So I was you know at, why? It's actually yes. pretty interesting because because smells they they, they have a direct route the part of your brain that's related to memory and emotions they don't have to go through any other corners that's why it's much faster to recognize uh, a memory that's attached to the yeah. smell than, than most of the emotions so that's pretty cool 
Ah. It doesn't go through the corners. It's direct. <laughs> direct. <laughs> direct. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that's actually very interesting because those are some of the findings that I was coming across when I'm looking at those biological biological concepts now on neuroscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are deeper things now. <laughs> actually, I'm going to mention that. Um yeah. on that on that main point that you've said, you said something huge. There's a coward in you may spark some interest over that neuroscience. Um I know the this whole thing of um making spaces or designing spaces for more than just the visual um parts and including also, also the other senses and how that yeah. relates with um, neuroscience and all that, and how you can also link that to architecture. So there's one yeah some that um i've seen actually from the work that um from the work that you've done there's one term that i've seen i'm not sure if you've had it anywhere else so i'm going to say that you're the one who coined it um if there's anyone else call it sana um but uh, <laughs> been on our show first. exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is your fault <laughs> man? Man? Bono why are you like this bro but anyway <laughs> but anyway so this is the concept of neuroarchitecture and um yes. how that you mentioned and how now um designing for spaces including all the senses um comes into play so i'm interested in hearing more about um how what neuroarchitecture is and um from what you've said from the beginning how those senses who stand to benefit from all this mm. yeah okay 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 that so actually neuroarchitecture is it's a term but it's something that's coming up in the in the industry um so it's it's that it's that bridge between neuroscience and architecture so it's basically what you are saying that intricate 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 impact that spaces have on us mm-hmm. as have on us in terms of emotions health so neuroarchitecture is bridging the gap between architecture and neuroscience so neuroscience they are their findings, they are like even the way we are discussing here, the way mm-hmm. smells can have an impact on us. And so it's now the architects are, are slowly becoming aware of that and the importance of that. Mm-hmm. And that's why now neuroarchitecture is slowly gaining traction. In the West, it has gained a lot of traction. There are, there are colleges that are teaching that. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's an institution called ANFA. Academy of Neuroscience and Architecture. Okay. And mm. then you could also include environmental psychologists because I think that's what they study. I think Leon is one of them. <laughs> yeah, they he study is. the impact <laughs> of the environment on, on people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's neuroarchitecture. Who stands to benefit from neuroarchitecture? The good thing about this is that it benefits everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because each of us, the way we perceive space is different. Mm-hmm. And when you design for smells, when you design for, for sound, when you design for touch, we all stand to benefit. But mm-hmm. the most important beneficiaries are say neurodivergent people, mm-hmm. autistic people, people with ADHD, because for a neurotypical a neurotypical person, so a neurotypical person is the average, is the is the, the average way. As human beings, we perceive space. Mm-hmm. So you could call them the average human being, just average. Yeah, job. yeah, the average human being. Yeah, but now that you know, divergent people, the autistic people. For an autistic person, mm-hmm. small things they are usually of uh, like they are hypersensitive to small thing to what will be a small thing to a neurotypical person. Mm-hmm. Say, say the type of color that is used in a in a building. 
the mm. type of color, also light in terms of natural lighting. Mm-hmm. Glare can be very, it can be a very big, too, big, big thing to them. Mm-hmm. Noise, talking of noise, what we could consider just uh, that's just cause background noise, but for them, mm-hmm. it, the way their mind interprets it, it's it's a big thing. So it's the taking into consideration up, such up. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So designing for like now absorbing echo in a space where you have say a neurodivergent kid, you need to absorb a lot of echo so that wasikwe like in a lot of anxiety. Yeah, to eliminate anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, also in terms of, I think also another thing is people with mental health, depression, anxiety, they stand to benefit from neuroarchitecture. Okay. Mm. And yeah, yeah. I think one one other thing I'd, I'd, I'd like to make an observation about is that from the neuroarchitecture, it's now moving from just creating buildings to actually making them for people. Because ideally, that's what exactly. we're going to do with exactly. spaces, whether yeah. they're private or public spaces. Mm-hmm. It's making them yeah. for people so that they can thrive. They can, you know, they can be healthy physically, mentally, emotionally. And so taking Absolutely. those things into consideration, like even when we think about air quality mm-hmm. in, in in buildings and what uh, Jaroge has mentioned about what, what smell is the paint emitting? Mm-hmm. You know, is it something that gives me anxiety because or it's if, if I'm a recovering alcoholic, and then it just, <laughs> it just, I'm, just I'm just in a in a new house thinking, oh my gosh, my three day trip yeah. is just gonna go down the drain. So or even if it's um in a in a church setting or um in what other spaces are there? In a school setting. Mm. In a school it, setting. Mm-hmm. How how yeah, in would a you setting, in, a, in a residential house? Yeah, in the office offices. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, especially in the offices, mm. research has shown that the way you are saying we are designing spaces for people. Yeah, and human-centered design. Basically, the compass for human design, a human-centered design, is is sensorial, basically. Yeah, mm. and especially in the offices, it has been proven like spaces which are they are designed for a holistic experience mm-hmm. in terms of lighting you have auditory like background background music mm-hmm. you have now including now biophilic design you have plants within because the plants they have yeah that's a huge aspect yeah biophilic design yeah plants can emit smells mm-hmm. flowers they emit smells it's a way to emit smells mm-hmm. so they, they they increase productivity they increase productivity People's mm-hmm. productivity improves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree mm-hmm. that especially now. So, from what I'm hearing right now is that uh, neuro architecture serves to um, solve a lot of issues. Human centered design. Um, there's a fact. Um, also, just moving scaling up from building itself to now larger any infrastructure. Um, if you're talking, if you're talking about um things like, or rather, I'm talking about things like um walkways. Um, the roads that we're working on, rather. So now this is also like plugging the previous episode that we did. Episode one on working in Nairobi. So you can imagine for a neuro neurodivergent person, um, you've either been diagnosed or you're living with it already. Um, one of the things you'll be told is to keep active um, as one of the measures for uh, managing your condition. So you can imagine um, things like um, taking walks. 
So you can yeah. imagine you've been told, ah, yeah, you take a walk, you should be good to go. You should see that um, you'll be able to manage your symptoms. You should be able to um, interact with people in a much better way. So yeah. you decide, ah, yeah, let me go for a walk now. Um, I decide to, let's say I'm living on, for example, take I'm living on Thika Road, on the superhighway. You're living in a space where, I don't know if Thika Road is a good example, but anyway. So you're living in a space where, um, where essentially there's not enough um considerations given for um pedestrians mm. so now you're walking but now your anxiety levels are heightened because now you have to not only are you just not only are you looking to um lower your own anxiety levels by that walk but now you also have to look for you have to look out for traffic oncoming traffic mm. so um those rogue me. motorbikes that just come out of nowhere yeah um yeah. Yeah. of things so but yeah so designing for or rather putting in those considerations when you're doing the um initial design could solve a lot yeah. in what um, I'm hearing um, being discussed a lot. That's true. Actually, I think it's something like that has been done, something to do with senses and urban design has been done. I think in Australia, Amsterdam, they have they have like smellscapes, sound mm-hmm. maps, color maps, oh, wow. texture maps mm-hmm. to basically enrich that that experience, that that work, make to make to just make the mental well-being of, of say like a neurodivergent person, even a normal human person, mm-hmm. it makes it more more healthy. Yeah, so it, it, it's things that are being done. Okay, okay. And and in uh, locally, in our country, what do you think is, is the biggest challenge that we're facing in terms of creating for uh, neurodivergency? I think, I think not, well, I haven't done so much research on it. I think number, but I think top, Top is awareness. Mm-hmm. I think the more we did the, the awareness, and then now when we have that awareness, I think now we can start now to actively design for them. I was actually telling Louis there is a there there are courses being offered locally for design for neurodivergent people. Mm. I think there is yeah. called Kenya Interior Design School. It's in mm-hmm. Westlands. They have a a short course on for interior designers to design for neurodivergent neurodivergent people. Pleasantly surprised to learn about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I think with with such mm-hmm. it's going to to help a lot. And then now I think that that now brings up the the concept of inclusive design because. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because neurodivergent people, you see, their disability is not is not physical. It's not that they can't see, they can't, they can't walk. Theirs is more of experiential. So mm. locally, there are regulations on universal design, on physical access, ramps, lifts, and all that. But then now it's now taking the discussion to the next level. You find mm. that even what I found just in the the design in the museums, you have the, they have provided the ramps, you've provided the lifts, but now once once these people, people who are disabled, once they get inside, mm-hmm. you find that there's a mis- missing gap in design for them and them experiencing this, the space. Say for someone who is, say, they can't see, they can't hear, how do they how do they get to experience the art? So it's mm-hmm. taking the discussion now to the next level, inclusive design, and which will cater mm-hmm. for, for these people. Yeah. So it's it's not just yeah. about functionality of them moving from one place to another, but it's also about them enjoying um leisure activity. Like the well art done, well put, well put, mm. well put, well put. And making them independent such yeah. that they don't have to, to rely on another person for this. So making them independent and they feel 
they are part of the society and they are making them feel part of the society. I, I, I found an interesting an interesting quote that so that people are disabled, it is the environment that disables them. Mm, yeah. That's disabled. It's just a boggling way to look at it. That we are the one who are making people feel excluded. Mm-hmm. If we truly yeah. designed in an inclusive way for every person, mm. then every person will feel they are part of the society. So the the fault is not in them. The fault is in the society and to be specific, the designers. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. So I think as, as uh, part yeah, of yeah. like the when you mentioned the the institution that's teaching, I think also yes. having communities of practice. So where people from different fields are concerned with um inclusivity, yeah. especially within yeah. the built environment, can just get together yeah. and exchange ideas. Right. Yeah. So, as you're saying, let's say there's a surgeon who just deals with, um, like a neurologist, and then a sociologist, an artist, an architect, an artist, and they come together to exchange because we will see things differently based on our background, and I think that will enrich the conversation. So even when um someone, let's say like a real estate agency is is approaching a group of or someone who is in such a community they can then yeah. come in with that expertise and say oh uh, this is a fantastic have you considered how about we do it this way for abc yeah. for more inclusive um that's true. yeah and and i'm glad yeah, so that that's you focused on sorry sorry to interrupt you again uh, but i'm, I'm yeah, glad you yeah. focused on a museum because i feel like a lot of the um design work is mostly in private spaces mm. so people's house um, and even interior designing, so people's houses, malls. But then when you come into the public domain, there's yes. less of that thought, or yeah. at least public-private ones in terms of like a, a museum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. that was a, an interesting choice. And you see, actually, the, the museum now is should be the most inclusive space now because it is a place for that any person should be able to go there and have and have a fulfilling experience. Doesn't matter you are a kid, you are an adult, you are a youth, doesn't mm-hmm. matter your gender, doesn't matter your religion, your ethnicity. Like experiences, they transcend, they should transcend social barriers, any social barriers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned something about, about collaboration. I think I think that's the m- most important thing now, even when including say the disabled people yeah. in the design teams. Like you're designing, you're designing something for, for a disabled person. Like let them be part of the team. Mm-hmm. Because like like you're designing for for a disabled person. You see, it was very interesting, like in ADD, Nairobi mm-hmm. University, where architecture studios usually are like uh-huh, they yeah. don't have any they don't have access for disabled people it's just dawned on me the other day that if someone like oh. say in second year i got I get an accident and i'm physically disabled mm-hmm. like I, I can't access the studios i can't act, access the classes because they don't have any yeah <laughs> mm. yeah yeah, so, hmm. uh, yeah it, it's, it's a relevant conversation even with the institutions that teach us uh, to to get into various um, careers, Career. yeah, it should. I, I, you know, we should include or um, st- students who want to explore certain career paths should not be limited just because you know they have a certain you know they are facing a certain challenge either physically or otherwise. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because then it it limits the whole profession. Yeah. Yes, because yeah. you have an experience from that that person, and you want to you want to design for them. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, so we agree with you 100%. Mm. So someone, yes. Uh, I, I, I can't help but, but see a uh, uh, really, uh, yeah, sorry, a really significant challenge. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, in, in, terms, in terms of neurodivergence, it creates a whole spectrum of individuals who are yeah. different, who are different in very many ways. So even uh, amongst uh, people with autism, like you can tell that, uh, that some people are triggered by different things and, uh, and, 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 uh, uh, and there's no one configuration of, of uh, maybe lighting and, and sounds that will fit the entire spectrum of people with autism, right? Yeah, yeah. So in the in the in the context of all this complexity and uh, and and uh, intricacy, how how uh, uh, what, what how much in terms of uh, research and development do we need to do to be able to yeah. come up with solutions that are wholesome and inclusive? Yeah. For for most people, and is that what you're attempting to do with uh, Sensilan Africa? Yeah, I, I'm looking for something like that, especially because yeah. it's very important what you're saying. Like, say autistic people, it's a, it's a whole spectrum. Yeah. They're affected yeah. by different things. Mm. And one of the solutions that I've come across is sensory rooms. So a sensory mm. room is basically a, a room that's set aside and lighting, sounds, smells, they can be regulated mm-hmm. based mm. on the individual's need. Ah. Yeah, so these you can have the, such installations can be say in, in schools. You have mm-hmm. a sensory room where during during break time, autistic kids they, they can go there and they get to to release to release stress, to release anxiety because they get into a space where they are they are comfortable, they get into a safe space. So mm-hmm. schools can have such installations, churches, and now for adults who are in working working places, mm-hmm. it's it's a necessary installation in an office. If, say, for example, you have a neurodivergent person, it's good to have that those, a quiet room that's not a meeting room. Mm-hmm. A quiet room that's specifically designed for a neurodivergent person, such that once they, they are there, it's, they, they can focus. It's, it's a safe space for them, basically. And they can, they can regulate the, the lighting, the sounds, this stimuli to the uh, yeah the level that they're comfortable with. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've just remembered. So there's, um, there's, a space, there's a space where we are currently working at. So um, I'm trying to see how I can give as much context without giving away also as, mu- as much information that I'm not supposed to. But anyway, so, um, <laughs> um, so there's a space where we're currently working at um, by a design firm. So where they have... <laughs> So typical design firm, they have their own setup and everything, but they also have a room that they have set aside for um well they say it's for calls. So, but when you get in there, it's a room which is padded with um with uh what do you call these things? Um soundproofing uh panels. So it has soundproofing panels around. Um you go in, make your call, then get out. But when you're in there, it's uh-huh. like deathly silent. And um not not silent that's disturbing, but silent in a way that's not distracting at all. Mm. That you can actually quite you can actually feel that if you're nearly getting stuff done, because there's also a, like a sitting area with like a small car desk, you can so get a lot. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> a lot more you can get done. So yeah, I mean if you could just scale that up and now provide that for people who are neurodivergent, that could really work. Because yeah, that has helped a lot with actually productivity. Um yeah. saying from my side yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, hmm. those drove even a normal person starts to benefit these installations. They could mm-hmm. be expensive for the like for the for companies 
in a way, but they stand to benefit and to improve productivity of not, not just the neurodivergent people, but everyone. Other staff can use the spaces and productivity increases, the company will definitely benefit. Yep. So, so it's more of an investment yeah. than a cost. Yeah, exactly. If you look at it long term. Yes, yes. Mm. And I, I think also it, it goes to, like in, especially in workspaces, because you had mentioned that, um, yeah. now we have a lot of open open spaces when it comes to working. So when people are having um, some of their meetings or their calls, you can hear a lot of background noises because everyone is having their meetings mm, and their calls. It's very distracting. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's not yeah. like, because yeah. I know at least with, with the boutique working spaces they have yes. now the the sound the meeting rooms and the the soundproofed booths yeah. have your calls. but then in, in other spaces where you don't have a corner office it's a bit yeah. of a challenge man yeah 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 and in, in a way i was looking at some some research by a, a uk-based company called motion sport it, 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 it focuses on inclusive design and they were saying that the the rate at which neurodivergent people are they they resign from such offices is higher than the rate at which a, a neurotypical person will, will resign from working in such spaces. Mm. So it shows you it has a, it has an impact. In the yeah, company it does. Yeah, and, and people. Yes, absolutely. And when we're thinking yeah. about it in terms of if it's about the company bottom line, it's yes. the, the turnover. The employee turnover is so high, so they need to keep retraining new people, and that takes there's yeah. a bit of a learning curve. So it would be yeah. just cheaper, quote unquote, to create yes. space for neurodivergent people. Mm. Exactly. Mm. It, it's it's even as simple as looking at provision of prayer rooms for Muslims. Mm. Like if a company doesn't have a prayer room and the the Muslim brother and sister or sister they are praying in the in the meeting room or in the boardroom, in mm -hmm. a way they are not as they are not as as comfortable as they will be if they were provided with with a with a prayer room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and probably they will choose a, to work in a place where they, they are provided with a prayer. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I like it. I'm hearing inclusion from all sides. Not yeah. just neurodivergent, but also fits and everything else. Mm. Ideally, that's the goal, yeah? The social aspect of sustainability, essentially, in practice. Inclusivity yes. in your salsa. Yeah. 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 And I find myself looking at this like a pure architecture, like architecture in its truest form because if you're not really thinking about uh how people's brains work how they interpret sensory data how how their environment affects them then are you really making spaces for people so this is like how it's supposed to be i think yeah that's the truth that's how it's supposed to be but as lian was was alluding to earlier is architecture and mainstream architecture conventionally it focuses on visual aesthetics and mm -hmm. functionality yeah, yeah. does mm -hmm. it function is it appealing to the eyes ah let's go man how much does <laughs> it cost <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> and, and also to some degree it's about the architect's brand like mm. I, I need to create something that will outlive me rather than yes. create something that will impact people's lives mm -hmm. yeah. mm. impacting people's lives that that already also takes the outliving me aspect yes but, yeah yeah mm. the, the impact is yeah. yes. It's it's not as loud like as yes. um, it, it's it might not impact the the visual landscape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of the quality of life of the different individuals that are using that space, they'll be like, oh. that's true. I mean, they that's may true. never know who 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 created. <laughs> <laughs> 
That might be the problem. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Like right now, I'm remembering all I can remember about KCC is that it has a very weird design inspiration, but I don't even remember the name of the architect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember the design inspiration. You don't remember. But the not the architect. <laughs> 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 From somewhere there. <laughs> that's what I But um, yeah, I think it's it's about what what even though it's the the type of work we do doesn't necessarily put us on a podium mm-hmm. yeah. can you sleep um knowing that you have you know impacted someone's life positively oh, even yeah. though they exactly. don't know the name or face yeah and yeah. vice versa actually i agree with yeah. that so there's this quote by is it a quote um it was actually a speech or an oration or whatever you'd like to call it um but there's this guy called Orson something, Orson Wells or something like that. Yeah, if I remember Vizuri. But there's something over there that he says that um, okay, applies Shambo, to. Shambhala Wanyama. Ah, Uni Jojo. Oh. <laughs> eloquent but not not for this particular name so there was this guy called Orson Welles if I remember Vizuri there's a commentary where he a very famous commentary I believe you've not already heard about it but there's a specific um, quote that he says over there there's something specific that he says that um, we must each earn um, what we own every day we must each earn what we own a healthy man owes to the world's um, sickly what he can do for them the world's wealthy or to the world's poor what they can do for them so people within the built environment who are um quote-unquote learned within about um the particular aspects of the built environment we owe it to the people who interact with these build with these spaces um to do what we can for them so it's not just building things for the sake of um doing it um yeah for the sake of just meeting a deliverable and that's it and then moving on to the next project it's um looking at the projects from the lens of as I'm meeting today's deliverables, how will it also affect the people who interact with this building 10, 20, 50 years from now? Um, exactly. Both from an environmental, from a, a social standpoint, how they interact with the buildings and also economically as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. To back that up, it's mm-hmm. yeah. famous. I don't know if it's famous quote by Winston Churchill, but we shape mm-hmm. our building and then they shape oh, us. Yes, they do. Yeah. And oh, that's yeah. Fun. Oh yes, yeah. it's not full of sound bites, mazay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some more. Sydney, Sydney, your your sound bites. On that note, yeah. No, okay, okay. First, I have a question before before we bite any sounds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, right now, okay, we 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 have all seventy percent of all the buildings that are going to be standing in twenty fifty. They haven't been built right now. They're going to be built before that time comes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, what can we change now? What do you think? Uh, some uh, uh, low-hanging fruits that we can implement in our buildings today, like t- things that people can try out, and and it shouldn't cost them much, but it might give them advantages, just so they can be able to 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 now use that as a stepping stone now to work towards implementing more more rigorous uh, uh, methods of creating spaces that are that are for the human mind. I think it's. It's as simple as as what I had said, like using local materials, like say using yeah. brick and mm-hmm. being creative in how you use brick, not mm-hmm. like leaving it exposed in its authentic nature. Mm-hmm. And you see, brick is not an expensive material because those can they can be locally manufactured. Yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. embracing local materials and then that also helps in in sustainability. Yeah, yeah, because you're saving on embodied energy in terms of transport and and all that. So that's mm-hmm. one. I think another thing is we have we have regulation regulation building regulations is always a good way to 
to enforce minimum standards in buildings because they ensure that asymmetry of information. Because you, you are going into a building, you was not you are not there when it was being built, so you don't know how it yeah. was built. So the, mm. that's why the government comes in to regulate. And regulations is a good way. So the government and of course it has to come from the architect, like now the the leaders in the the built environment for them to to collaborate with psychologists, sociologists, environment psychologists, and and develop these regulations on inclusive design. Ponto ongeza volume apo kwa environmental psychologist. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Because you are born in the house. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And many of us, we end up right back here, where we, where we figure out that this is going to take a whole village. This is going to take people with different skill sets and different abilities working to, uh, together towards achieving this goal. So, yeah, I thought that was worth highlighting. Yeah. yeah. So, so for me, I'll say government regulation on inclusive design. Mm-hmm. Just you take an act, go to parliament, be approved. And the same way we have ramps, although some of them don't work. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's a story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for another day. But such measures can be... They will help the, the industry to, to move in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Okay. We're looking yeah. forward to our to a neuro-architecture neuro act of 20 Exactly, exactly. exactly. <laughs> there's, there's one developed by UK, it's called Design for the Mind. Huh? That sounds cool. Last year, Design for the Mind. Right. I can wow. share with you guys. Yes, yes please. Yeah, and we can pass it on to our, to our listeners. Hey, Masi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Design for the Mind. So that's Design for Neurodiversity. Quite honestly, I can't wait for for people to be saying, there's a, there's a design for the whatever. That was developed in Kenya. Even as we start getting quoted, <laughs> no. <laughs> actually, actually, there's there's a neuro cafe in in Kilimanjaro. Is a what? Maybe you guys are, are aware. Neuro, neuro. It's it's for neurodivergent people. It's called mm. Ayira's neuro neuro soul cafe. Ayira's neuro soul cafe. Ah, very nice, very nice. Yeah. Only what to try to do is sell our brand deal. Eh? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, our sponsors for today are Neurosol. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> a couple of free meals that they might be. Pale on Shiko Road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to visit. Okay, nice. Nice. Well, Thank yeah, because because the focus here is also to to put to have um. You know, if it's not it's not just the acts, but also take leadership within the African context yeah, in terms cool. of ex- executing and implementing some of the ideas that we have. I mean, like with as you've said, with the Neurosoul Cafe, and I I know there are other people in in particular spaces doing what they can to drive forward some of this. Uh, conversations that we're having here. Yeah. So any parting yeah. shots, Njoroge? I know we've had you here for quite a bit. So yeah, what would I've you... enjoyed my time. You guys are such a vibe. <laughs> Thank ah, you. We love to hear that. Let's them hear it. Okay. Is more uh, often. Lou is out here blushing. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> From here to Timbuktu. I think for my parting shot, I'll say designing for senses is a game changer. Mm-hmm. And I think that that that's all for me. Like if, if we can focus our energies, architects, designers, product designers, they're doing a good job in designing for senses. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time for us as architects mm-hmm. who are shaping spaces where people spend most of their time in for for us to to be more proactive in in designing human centered spaces. Yeah, that's all. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I can say so much. What energy food you have? 
designing for human uh, yeah human centered design but yeah. make it for spaces yeah because we, we do that yeah. a lot for services and uh, products as you said but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you guys are doing a good job thank you very much we appreciate it all right it's been a fantastic afternoon mm-hmm. now you guys know we do this in the afternoon and we're out here to tell you wake up at 5 a.m do the Wait, thing it's you know, afternoon <laughs> somewhere let's let's save it afternoon somewhere let's just put it that way yeah. so yeah. uh sydney parting shots what are your takeaways my my takeaway is that is that the truth cannot long be hidden <laughs> you know the three things cannot long be hidden the sun the moon the truth and the truth is that spaces should be designed for their mind that's the primary uh, thing that like uh, it's the primary it's how we perceive our environment in our spaces and if that need is not met then that building cannot be be deemed to be sustainable or to be to be well 100% fit for purpose and it's fun to see to see young Kenyan out here doing doing exactly what we need to get done it's inspiring and, and i hope it's going to inspire our listeners out there to start making better spaces for all oh, of yeah. us oh yeah 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 wonderful pull out here being there eh? heavy heavy thoughts so now <laughs> we'll come in with a lighter touch and say <laughs> <laughs> Guys, just open your eyes um, and and think with your others when you're in whatever mm-hmm. spaces. Yeah. Um, see how it could be made different. Um, for you know, if you just imagine, close your eyes and imagine if you couldn't see, how else would you like this space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ni sasa wa penzi wa sikilizaji na. Well put, well put. Yeah. So just before you forget, kabisa kabisa, please don't forget to um check us out on our socials. Um at TBD underscore Kenya is as simple as that on all our platforms. We have we have Twitter and right now also TikTok can hit us up on those um places. Of course, we'll also share the links um as always to everything that we've discussed over here. If you want to also join us in this rabbit hole architecture and inclusive design, and um also sending out a shout out to the one that uh, got away for this episode at least um annie wherever you are please get well soon looking forward to having you in the next one yes and um also the final one thank you very much we appreciate um you taking the time to join us episode some or essentials should i say but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I guess that all right it's all right. a wrap <laughs>